0: Thank you for joining us today for the fifth installment of our Flash podcast series, In Real Time. If you've been listening along with us over the last few episodes, you may be surprised to hear a new voice. My name is Amanda Mari, and I'm a vice president at Benefit Street Partners, or BSP. BSP is a leading alternative asset management firm with nearly $27 billion in assets under management and operates as a boutique alternative investment arm of Franklin Templeton. We do our best to keep these podcasts short, so I'm gonna jump right in. I'm excited to introduce you to our guest today, Brian Buffone. Brian is a managing director and serves as head of equity investments for commercial real estate. Thanks for being with us today, Brian. Thanks, Amanda. Based on his role at the firm, we've asked Brian to speak with us today about interval funds. To start us off, Brian, could you tell us about your role at BSP and then set the stage with a definition of what is an interval fund?
1: Thanks, Amanda. Uh, My role at Benefit Street Partners is Head of Equity Investments within the Commercial Real Estate Group. I'm also the Portfolio Manager of an Interval Fund that we run. Uh, Interval Funds in general are uh, alternative investment vehicles for uh, individual investors to gain access to strategies they might not typically be able to access The interval funds are registered under the Investment Company Act of 1940. They're priced on a daily basis based on the net asset value, and they are uh, liquid on typically a quarterly basis where the fund will redeem a certain number of shares for investors to redeem and, and cash out on their positions within that specific interval fund.
0: One of the reasons that I asked you to define interval funds is because interval funds are one of the newer kids on the block when it comes to product structure. What benefits does this structure bring to individual investors?
1: They are fairly new in the investment universe. Uh, They've been around for just the past five or six years. They're an exciting vehicle for investors to put their money to work and get diversification, uh, but more so, access to investment opportunities that they normally probably wouldn't have access to. The Interval Funds themselves invest in uh, alongside the investments of pension funds, endowments, sovereign wealth funds, uh, and a lot of these private investment vehicles that they're putting uh, their, their pooled capital to work in typically have minimum investment sizes of 1 million dollars, 5 million dollars, 10 million dollars some of them. So a a smaller investor or even a mid-size investor has a difficult time if not an impossible time getting access to those types of investments that they're able to get access to uh, by by pooling their investments in in these interval funds. Um, I think given the the fact that being able to Uh, have access to those funds is one thing but also being able to be diversified across a number of different funds within that interval fund and not having to invest all of your one million dollar capital allocation into just one additional private fund and in our instance private real estate fund you can invest in eight ten or even twenty funds at one time and be diversified across the whole, uh, whole spectrum of different private funds with one single investment into an interval fund.
0: As a portfolio manager for an interval fund, what makes the interval fund structure so appealing to you?
1: Well, real estate specifically, uh, and that's our background here, uh, is the third largest asset class available to investors behind fixed income and equities. Historically, it's been very difficult for individual investors to get uh, access uh, and and diversification within the real estate industry. That being said, real estate has always historically provided a very stable, consistent income and capital appreciation over time uh, versus other asset classes. So for an investor to be able to now get access to that on a simplified basis and again to be able to invest in these funds that they normally would not have had access to, we think it's a great opportunity uh, for investors to get more diversified uh, and to have asset allocations into vehicles that they normally wouldn't have. It also provides a lower volatility uh versus being in some of the uh public market space uh, within the stock market and within public REITs, as we've seen specifically over the last six months, these direct real estate uh, investments that the Interval Funds are allocating their capital to provide a lower volatility and a lower correlation to the overall stock market, giving investors an alternative to put their money to work and again, be diversified across different asset uh, asset classes and asset allocations.
0: When we're talking about the attributes of an interval fund, it's also important to talk about the flip side. So could you address some of the challenges that you see and find as you're managing assets within the interval fund structure?
1: The challenges I, I think are the the level of diligence that that goes into the uh, investment process. And I say it's a challenge, it actually ends up being another benefit to an investor because the the challenge being that the the background and the resources that the fund manager or the fund sponsor or the parent company of the, of the fund manager can provide helps an investor to underwrite, analyze, uh research uh these multitudes of funds that come across the come across a manager's desk an individual investor wouldn't be able to do that on their own or they could but again it's a it's a very tedious uh long drawn out process if done correctly uh but i, I again i think that that's probably the, the biggest challenge internally is the process and and running that diligence uh to the level that we would expect if we were an investor we would want uh we would want somebody to be diligencing these funds in the way uh that they're, they are spending the time. They are spending the, the resources really digging in on these funds. But I would say that that's the biggest challenge is doing that across 30, 40, 50, sometimes a hundred different funds and tracking them on a, on a quarterly or monthly basis. Uh, and then figuring out what are the top 10, what are the top 15 or top 20 funds that we want to be invested in. It's just a very lengthy. Uh, and, and uh, in-depth process that we run through uh, on, on our diligence process. And again, I, I think it's it's a challenge internally, uh, it's a thoughtful process, but it also ends up being a benefit because the investors know that we're putting in that level of diligence in selecting um, selecting funds on their behalf.
0: When you think about the interval fund structure, its benefits and its constraints, what type of assets and asset classes do you feel are best suited for that structure?
1: I believe it would be asset classes and asset allocation that would be difficult for an investor to get directly on their own. Uh, The real estate uh, sector, uh, the real estate asset class in general is probably, uh, for an individual investor, the most difficult asset allocation or asset investment class for them to get their arms around, uh, purchase multiple properties or multiple funds invested in, in, in real estate and be able to do that diligently. Um, I think with it, within that real estate sector, getting more diversification with multifamily, industrial, Class A office, Class A retail, you also get geographic diversification in, uh, in certain funds, you get capital stack diversification where some of these funds are invested in, uh, in, in the debt side of the real estate as well as in the equity side of the real estate. So you get a very broad range of diversification. Uh, and with app being in the real estate sector, again, with real estate being historically the, uh, the third largest asset class behind equity and fixed income. I think it's I think that's the biggest benefit of interval funds and the the biggest target market for these interval funds uh, to be invested and allocated into.
0: This question might be a little redundant based on where we've been already, but what do you think is the most underplayed aspect of interval funds
1: yeah I've, i we've talked a lot about diversification we've talked a lot about access. I don't need to um, you know continue to to drill down on those, but I do think that probably the most underappreciated component of of the interval funds themselves are the the sponsors resources or the the manager of the funds resources that they may have behind them assuming that the the manager of the interval fund is is a large institution or backed by a large institution they have Uh, A number of resources behind them from underwriting to research to accounting to ongoing diligence that the fund is able to give investors this high level of resource that they normally would not have been able to get typically uh, on their own and I, I think that the investors are are looking or should be looking to make investments into the fund themselves and into the fund's holdings themselves. But in addition to that, they're also making an investment into the management team and into the sponsor of the fund because of those resources. So I think, again, just as much as they're investing in the individual performance or individual holdings of the fund themselves, I think the management team and and background resources of that have a lot to do with uh, an investor's decision in in making an allocation or investment into an interval fund.
0: With interval funds becoming more prevalent in the marketplace, we're seeing them launch quite often. There's even websites dedicated to tracking new interval funds coming to market. Where do you see the future of interval funds heading? And you can touch on things such as asset classes, fees, liquidity features, anything like that.
1: I think that the market, the Interval Fund market, uh, is is going to be growing pretty substantially over the next five to ten years. Again, as I touched on earlier, it's a fairly young investment profile or option, alternative investment option for investors, um, being only five to six years old or so. Uh, and I think that as that, as the Interval Fund market itself, becomes more prevalent as an alternative investment option for investors, I think you'll see a lot of growth. I think the growth will come in the sectors that, again, are difficult for investors to otherwise get access to on their own or get access and at the same time diversification. Um, I think two sectors that are probably going to be the, the leaders in the Interval Fund Uh, in the interval fund world are the real estate uh, interval funds and the credit interval funds. Both of those, again, take, as we just touched upon in in our last question, they take a a lot of resources from the sponsor and the manager of those funds to be able to do the diligence and the ongoing tracking to, uh, to have these funds perform in the way that an investor would expect them. To perform uh, in general, and so we're drilling down into uh, sub funds, sub private funds, and and, and then on the credit side, uh, you know, the credit funds and or, or debt investments. That again, it's very difficult for an individual investor to get access to those. And so I think that that you'll see a, a growth in the interval fund market overall, and specifically into these uh, real estate. Uh, debt and credit type funds, or the, at least funds that have access to to those and allocations to those as far as as far as liquidity um, and fee structure, uh, I, I think as the larger the fund the funds get and the fund interval fund universe gets, I think you'll you will see fees potentially start to come down. I think you will see liquidity uh, issuances uh, esten- uh, essentially start to increase most funds today issue liquidity on a quarterly basis, most Interval Funds on a quarterly basis. I think you could see that as, as the industry grows. I think you could see that um, scaled back to a monthly basis, which again would be a big uh, advantage to an investor um, to get liquidity more uh, every month instead of every three months. That's just an opinion that I have. We'll see how that plays out. Uh, but I do I do think that there, there's a massive growth potential within the Interval Fund universe. Just to give helps give investors access to funds and diversification to funds, uh, other funds, and, and investment vehicles that they normally would just never have access to, and to be for them to be able to invest side by side with pension funds, endowment funds, and sovereign wealth funds. I think it it gives the investors a very um, a very nice sense of security uh, and a nice sense of being able to have access to uh, to funds that were historically only uh, only had the uh, those larger type investors all ha- were the only ones that had the ability to put their money to work in those types of funds.
0: Thanks, Brian. Yeah, you know, I'm going to wrap up here and say that our, our goal with these podcasts is to bring our listeners short informative snippets into our senior investment team's perspective on current market trends and fund structures and where they see the markets going. So I hope we delivered that today. And I look forward to doing this again with you soon, Brian.
1: Great. Thanks, Amanda. I appreciate it.